Time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast brought to you by Maine Lobster. Summer means that it's officially lobster season in Maine. Between June and July, lobsters in the cold waters of the Gulf of Maine shed their shells and the result is Maine New Shell Lobster. Perfectly sweet and tender meat with a softer shell that's easier to crack into. Visit lobsterfromaine.com to learn more. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. Thanks for joining us. Thank, thank, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. You know, we know that you don't have to listen to this podcast. I know. You don't have to tune in every week, but you do. You do. You do. And we appreciate it. We appreciate you. We do. I appreciate we love our, you as well. I appreciate you, Amanda. You know what? Yeah, I had Ryan on here last week, which Ryan was great. I don't know if anyone listened last week. Of course, you listened last week. <laughs> but, uh, Ryan was fantastic. And he didn't have the easiest topic. No. Breastfeeding? Breastfeeding. <laughs> no. But you know what? He was a champ. But it's just always nice to have you back in this in this podcast room. Yes. So let's just, let's Dive just go in. from there. <laughs> in our top story of the day, Maine lobstermen now have a new option when it comes to bait. The Maine Department of Marine Resources granted Cook Aquaculture approval to sell and use whole black belly rosefish as lobster bait. The lobster bait crisis in Maine has been going on for months. Following the, following the reduction of the amount of Atlantic herring that fishermen can catch, Atlantic herring is the primary bait used by lobstermen. However, a low number of juveniles resulted in NOAA cutting the herring haul for 2019 from 50,000 metric tons to 21,000 tons. And further reductions will take place in 2020 and 2021. So back in May, Asian carp from Illinois was being considered to help with the beach shortage, but now thanks to Cook, lobstermen can turn to black belly rosefish. So according to Cook, the black belly rosefish bait, which is from the same scientific classification as the Atlantic redfish, will come from the South Atlantic waters of Uruguay. Uh, the black, berry, black belly rosefish. Uh, it is hard to say. <laughs> black belly rosefish. Yeah, we keep saying blackberry. Yeah. I, I want to keep saying blackberry, but the black belly rosefish will be harvested by Cook and frozen at sea as a whole fish within hours to maximize the product quality. Imagine if there's like a boom of lobster from when they switch. Oh, that'd be cool. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Everybody loves a good black belly rosefish. I mean, it sounds delicious. It does. A little uh, cranberry sauce on the side for some reason. Mm. I'm just like I'm picturing a... Uh, or how I, about a uh, raspberry? Oh, okay. I can on board with that. Yeah. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> In other news, a petition brought by the Department of Commerce by nonprofit marine conservation organization Sea Shepherd to ban seafood imports from New Zealand has been rejected by the National Marine Fisheries Service. You're right out of here. Uh, <laughs> so for those unfamiliar with the case, Sea Shepherd released a statement in early February. They formally demanded that the Trump administration immediately ban all imports from New Zealand fisheries that are driving the Maui dolphin to extinction. So the U.S. imports between 25,000 and 50,000 kilos of New Zealand snapper a month. And the fishing industry is known to use gear that ensnares the Maui dolphin. Um, the Maui dolphin is the world's rarest and smallest known subspecies of dolphin, which is so cute, found off the west coast of the North Island in New Zealand. The population of the Maui dolphin is believed to only be between 57 and 75. That is not a lot That's not a lot at all. Uh, so to compare, there were an estimated 2,000 back in 1971. New Zealand's Department of Conservation states that the marine animal is under threat from fishing, disease, oil and gas exploration, boat strike, mining, tourism, and noise. Yikes. So, yeah, it's a lot. These poor little dolphins. I know. I tell, <laughs> we're we're going to – I'm going to start like a adopt a whale, adopt a dolphin. Right? I know, right? 
Uh, but uh, Sea Shepherd's petition requested that the secretary ban the importation of all fish and fish products caught in set nets or trawls inside the Maui Dolphin Range and from the west coast of New Zealand, North Island, and the Cook Strait, unless affirmatively, affirmatively sorry, identified as having been caught with a gear type other than set nets or trawls within the area um, or identified as caught outside of the Maui Dolphins range. Uh, sea Shepherd said back in February that if U.S. agencies do not respond appropriately, they will be going back to court. So we'll have to see what happens next. Yep, we'll keep you updated. And speaking of endangered creatures, back to those oh, whales, um, Transport Canada announced that they are introducing new additional measures to protect the North Atlantic right whale. And as I'm sure you will all recall, because we've been talking about it on the podcast for weeks now, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue talking mm-hmm. about it. Uh, six North Atlantic right whales died in Canadian waters last month, and an additional three whales are currently entangled. So what are they, like, they just watch the entangled ones, or are they, like, actively going after them and, There like- is a group that is, um, like, a whale rescue team that goes after them. Uh, and this team now, the la- the latest update uh, as of Thursday was that they, um, their first effort to unentangle one of these whales mm-hmm. um, failed. I guess that's got to be kind of hard. I'm thinking, yeah. like, well, if you're writing about them being entangled, then go cut the ropes <laughs> off. But I'm yeah. sure they're said it's, uh, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult tracking them. Um, Dangerous. And then, of course, yeah, yeah. there was um, a gentleman who died last year, mm-hmm. I believe. I remember that story. Yeah, so, uh, no, it's it's not, not an easy task. But, no, yeah. somebody is, I mean, there's people out there that are working on it. Okay. So the Honorable Jonathan Wilkinson, Minister of Fisheries, Oceans, and the Canadian Coast Guard, said in a press release that the recent deaths of the six whales has caused the government to implement urgent new measures to protect the endangered species. In total, there are nine measures, and they will build on existing measures developed and implemented over the past two years. And we're going to break down nine for you, so get ready. So increasing surveillance is the first measure. Transport Canada's National Aerial Surveillance Program and Fisheries and Oceans Canada will triple their number of overflights. Uh, Transport Canada will now have two flights per day instead of two flights per week, weather permitting. And Fisheries and Oceans Canada weekly flights will increase from five to ten. The second measure is expanding slowdown zones. A speed restriction was initially introduced in April in a large area in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. And last month, Minister of Transport Mark Garneau triggered a slowdown in shipping lanes north and south of Anacostia Island. The new measures means that there will be an expansion of the current slowdown zone where vessels are required to travel at 10 knots throughout the season. There will also be a new slowdown shipping lane where vessels will be required to slow down to 10 knots when a North Atlantic right whale is spotted in the area. Expanding mandatory speed restrictions is the third measure, and speed restrictions were only mandatory for vessels 20 meters or longer. However, the new measure has changed that to any vessel over 13 meters long. And dividing the mandatory slowdown zone is the fourth measure. This means that speed restrictions in slowdown zones will temporarily be lifted in the case of adverse weather conditions. But instead of this affecting the entire slowdown zone, the division of the zones into north and south means that these temporary speed increases will only affect a smaller geographic area. The fifth measure is adjusting the trigger for fisheries closures. According to new mandate, if a right whale is observed anywhere in the Gulf of St. Lawrence, the areas of the sighting will close for 15 days for any non-tended fixed gear fisheries. The season already closed late last month for major fixed gear fisheries in the southern Gulf of St. Lawrence. The sixth measure is a $1.2 million investment from the Canadian government as part of a $4.5 million commitment over four years to enhance the Marine Mammal Response Program. 
New funding provided by the Canada Nature Fund for aquatic species at risk is the seventh measure. Over $5 million in funding over the next four years will go towards six projects to help protect the North Atlantic right whales. And additional projects funded by the Government of Canada is the eighth measure. They'll be funding a project for monitoring stewardship towards new and effective risk mitigation for right whales in Canada. And finally, the ninth measure is expanding the slowdown buffer zone. The buffer around shipping lanes will be doubled from 2.5 to 5 nautical miles when the interim precautionary slowdown is lifted in the shipping lanes. However, speed restrictions in the shipping lanes will be triggered if a right whale is spotted in the buffer zone. These new measures come as Canada is expected to submit a progress report to the U.S. this month that outlines all steps being taken to protect whales and other mammals. The progress report needs to show that Canada has the ability to meet the requirements in the United States Marine Mammal Protection Act. The MMPA requires that nations that export fishery products to the U.S. be held to the same standards as domestic fisheries. Those familiar with the ongoing issue will remember that in May 2018, a group of U.S. senators called on NOAA to investigate if Canadian fisheries were doing enough to protect the endangered North Atlantic right whales. The argument was that certain seafood imports should be banned from the U.S. if Canadian fishermen weren't being held to the same high standards as fishermen in the U.S. A preliminary response to the progress report is expected to come from the U.S. in September. Thanks, Lauren. And now for some short and sweet news, because that was a lot. Um, Midwest processor and distributor Fortune International announced this week that they have acquired Alabama-based Jubilee Foods. Jubilee Foods, which conducts business as Jubilee Seafood, is a seafood distributor and importer. The company provides frozen seafood, oysters, and local gourmet products to the entire Gulf Coast and Birmingham, Alabama. The acquisition of Jubilee Seafoods it comes a little over a month after Fortune International announced the purchase of Minnesota-based cheese specialist Classic Provisions. In March, Fortune International completed the acquisition of the St. Louis and Kansas City operations of Maury Seafood International. So Jubilee Seafoods actually marks Fortune International's seventh acquisition since 2012. They have been busy. Oh, yeah. So meanwhile, in the Gulf of Mexico, the shrimp fishery will reopen in both state and federal waters off of Texas today. The official time for shrimp trawling to begin is 30 minutes after official sunset. NMFS said in a notice that corresponds to the time when Texas also opens its waters. The season closed on May 15th. The closure typically happens this time of year to all brown shrimp to grow more valuable sizes prior to harvest and also to avoid discarding uh, small shrimp. The reopening date for Texas waters is based on the results of biological sampling by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Also, Texas regulations allow only a 60-day closure. The 60-day period expires July 15th. And finally, Amazon Prime Day is also today. Prime Day! woo What are you ordering? <laughs> Everything. Just don't tell my husband. <laughs> uh, it's always a shame when the boxes come. And I'm like, I don't remember like, what ordering is this. this. Oh. Yeah, did you or you this? just have to get there before they get there yeah. and my break trick them all is down. I put my husband's name on the boxes, so it's addressed to him. So he gets all excited, and then he's like, wait a second. It's a trap. It's all a trap. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Prime Day started in 2015. We promise this relates to seafood. <laughs> um, but Prime Day started in 2015 as a way for Amazon to celebrate its 20th anniversary by offering discounts to devoted shoppers. So Prime Day has since become an annual shopping holiday with Prime subscribers able to score epic deals over a span of 36 hours. Epic deals. Oh, yeah. 
So <laughs> Sorry, I just needed to do that. Well, Prime Day initially started out exclusively online. Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods in 2017 means that the deals have expanded into stores. And just like last year, Seafood has made the list of Prime Day deals for 2019. Woohoo, Seafood! I know, it seems like so random, but it's pretty cool. So from July 10th through July 16th, Amazon Prime subscribers who shop at Whole Foods will be able to score wild-caught sockeye salmon fillets for $9.99 a pound. So um, a pound of wild-caught sockeye salmon fillets uh, would normally cost customers $16.99 a pound, and that gives them a $7 savings during the Prime Day event, which is pretty big. For $7 savings, I think I'll make a trip to Whole Foods. Yeah. It's it's a hike, but for me, at It's least. a hike from here, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but it's worth, worth it, it for, for Prime Day <laughs> salmon. Yep. So that about does it for us. Once again, this podcast was brought to you by Maine Lobster. Enjoy Maine New Shell Lobster this summer and learn more from lobsterfrommaine.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.